listening to the Night Demon Network. Go to nightdemon.net slash subscriber to unlock more exclusive content. Every weeknight, it's Buzz After Dark. You like that? With Eric Steele. Hang out with me Monday through Friday from 7 to midnight for the Buzz After Dark. It's kind of like the Titanic, except instead of three hours to sink, it takes five hours. Freaks come out at night, that's for sure. The Buzz After Dark. After Dark. All night long. Awesome tunes, clothing optional. You enjoy the ride. Weeknight 7 to midnight on 1029 The Buzz. Bill's Rock Station. Hello and welcome to the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Nesbitt. It's October 30th, also known as Devil's Night, the night before the most metal holiday of the year. This is the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast Halloween Special. holidays. Before we get going, one thing I'd like to mention, Cinematic Void has created a commercial for the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. It will be featured in tonight's episode. I don't want to give away too much, but uh, it's going to be a vampire triple feature. So be sure to check that out on their YouTube channel tonight. The link usually doesn't stay up for more than 24 hours, so be sure to tune in and watch it live. And get your fix of vampire-themed horror So, Halloween. For those of you who are listening who are not in North America, um, and I know we have a lot of listeners in Europe and especially Germany, you may have heard of Halloween. You might know a bit about it, but one thing I want to drive home is that Halloween is huge. So, growing up in Canada, I always assumed everyone knew Halloween, Then I grew a bit older, met some people from different parts of the world, and you kind of realize it's not a worldwide thing. A lot of places in the world don't have Halloween at all, or maybe they've heard of it, but they don't really celebrate it. But just realize that Halloween is huge over here. It was a huge part of my life growing up and a huge influence on the members of Night Demon. And as a result, Halloween and horror has always been a big part of what Night Demon is all about. And that's a big part of their appeal to me, at least. I always gravitated towards horror and horror movies. So aside from killer songs, uh, the themes and the imagery of Night Demon is a huge draw. The lyrics to songs like Screams in the Night, Curse of the Damned, Howling Man, Killer, and not to mention Rocky and Eugene and the single covers, the album covers. It's a cool, fun aspect to Night Demon that really lifts this band up as far as like fun factor. And it kind of sets them apart from a lot of other bands. Here's Armand. Uh, so it's obvious that the horror imagery and everything, topics in our music, I mean, you know, 
all you got to do is look at the name, Night Demon, and then just go from there. I mean, if we were called Night Demon and we were singing about flowers and fucking roses, then what the fuck, you know? It's obvious that the imagery and the cover art and all that has to do with, like, horror stuff. But, like, classic horror, you know, there's the kind of horror that's really graphic and and modern and just kind of shock, you know? But I think we, you know, we're all fans of the more classic, you know, not so obvious in your face, more occult kind of shit. You know, I, I have always thought that, that that stuff was cooler than just, like, blood and guts and gore, you know? That's just too easy. Put some sinister messages in there, you know? Like, so let's talk about nightmares and fucking killers on the loose and, you know, summoning whatever the hell, and you know, Twilight Zone episodes and shit like that. I think part of what Armand's getting at is that horror can be shocking and horrific, but it's also fun and exciting. And all of that is the appeal that horror lends to Night Demon's music. Here's Dusty. I think the horror aspect and horror movies, um, we really respect the old school 80s movie vibes, just like our 80s influenced music. The original horror movies of, um, you know, the monster movies and then the slasher movies. Um, then you have your suspense and gore and all that kind of stuff. But I think our music is a lot like an old 80s slasher movie. You just have all the elements that you enjoy. It gives you some suspense, takes you on a ride. And then I feel like at some point there's the comedic relief because I think every horror movie needs to have some comedic relief. There's a lot of times at our shows where things happen and it makes a human comedic vibe. And then there's times where we get down to business and just tear the room apart, you know, as like Jason sticking an axe into somebody or Freddy Krueger digging his nails into somebody's back. There's a lot that goes into it that I think is very similar. When you really look at Night Demon... And heavy metal in general, with the darkness and like the evil vibes, you can see that horror and Halloween and Night Demon are intrinsically linked from the beginning. Here's Jarvis. Happy Halloween, Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast listeners. So, Halloween and Night Demon. What is the semblance there? Well, for me personally, Halloween has always been my favorite holiday of the year. Even though it's not celebrated as an official holiday here in the United States, or anywhere else for that matter, I've always looked at it like that. And just like a metalhead, and just like a metal band, Halloween is the outcast of all holidays. And just like being an outcast in society, it's the one night a year that people can dress up and be who they want to be or be somebody different than themselves and kind of take on the fantasy of it all. The horror of Halloween, the spookiness of it, all of it ties into underground culture and especially heavy metal. It's no secret that we've been heavily inspired by the holiday and by horror movies and 
magic and the darker side of life and all of the imagery that goes along with Halloween. When myself, Brent Woodward, and Pat Bailey started this band, one common thread that we had was our love for cult cinema and classic horror films. Everything from the stories, the imagery, the artwork on the movie covers, and of course, our favorite heavy metal bands and our favorite punk rock bands, always giving credit to Halloween, to horror movies, to everything on the darker side. The Twilight Zone is my favorite show of all time. And it's no secret that we have a song called The Howling Man written after the Twilight Zone episode of the same name. But even with stuff like that, even with The Twilight Zone, a show that still holds up today that has a lot of social commentary underlying in the stories, that still has a lot of relevance today, there's still that supernatural spookiness of it that really has attracted us for all these years. And I still get excited when I watch stuff like this. I think the classic horror movies, especially in the 80s, really inspired a lot of us. Um, when you talk about even the heavy metal horror films like Black Roses or Halloween Trick or Treat, there are many others, but all in all, every horror movie from that era has an undertone that ties into heavy metal. And then you have your movies like Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, that actually featured Dawkin doing the title track. And I think they had a couple other tracks in that movie as well. But just the relation between the two go hand in hand and the taboo of both, especially during the years of the Satanic Panic and the PMRC. I mean, it's not that we're out there to scare kids. But, I mean, it's just the excitement around it all and knowing deep inside our hearts that there is something out there deeper and darker and that magic really does exist in these horror films. This stuff goes way deeper even than cinema when you're talking about literature like Clark Ashton Smith or H.P. Lovecraft, I mean, Edgar Allan Poe, even if you want to go back deeper, these are the kind of short stories that we used to read and still read to this day. I mean, I even remember uh, being in a like, book club. I, was in a, I grew up in a Christian school, and um, I used to find a way to get these books and bring them into school, and then I was told that the, they were not allowed to be read. But again, I think... Rock and roll and heavy metal and horror films go together just for the rebellion factor of it. It's all part of rebellion against the status quo. While I was in Christian school, every year on Halloween night, they used to do this thing called the sunshine party. And basically, they would encourage kids to not go out in public trick-or-treating at night. They would encourage kids to come back to school that night where we would all congregate in the gymnasium and they would be the ones handing out candy and we would just be there to have a kind of a good time. Well, I never did attend and I do thank my parents these days for not making me attend and, and letting me go trick or treat. And there was many times, I guess I, I was doing this a little bit too old, but I was trick or treating even through high school. And I remember me and my friends, um, 
literally hopping the wall to a graveyard one Halloween and smoking pot in there. <laughs> like that was just the coolest shit. That's what happens in horror movies. And that's the kind of stuff that we were doing in real life. So I just have to mention the sunshine party. <laughs> I find it very hilarious. Um, I guess where I never went to a Christian school, I've never heard of a sunshine party as kind of an anti, you know, to battle the Halloween parties. So I wonder if Striper will put together a sunshine party festival next Halloween. Halloween has always been a really fun and something that we all really looked forward to every year. It's kind of slowed down over the past few years because we started doing our own Halloween shows with the, you know, the heavy Hamburg thing and all that, which are great themselves. Um, but there's nothing like getting together with a bunch of your friends and everybody dressing up as different bands and characters. And so Halloween and horror imagery and Night Demon. I mean, when you look at the music videos, the T-shirts, the album covers, it's also well done. And let me say, as a huge Iron Maiden fan, Maiden over the years had some pretty amazing artwork. Uh, the Eddies for the last 40 years. But I think one thing I noticed about Night Demon is that their mascot, Rocky, and also Eugene, but especially Rocky, everything to do with Night Demon has a really detailed backstory. And there's a mythology behind everything Night Demon. Recently, Jarvis Leatherby was a guest on Ireland's foremost heavy metal podcast, the Feckin' Metal Podcast, where he discussed exactly that. Our idea to have a mascot was from the beginning, to have that. But we also have Eugene, who's the axe murderer on the um, cover of Curse of the Damned, you know? So we have two mascots. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they both have a backstory that we're, to get it, that we're, that we're telling very soon. So it's very in-depth. You know, Eddie has no story. That's true. He's Eddie has absolutely no story. story. And do you know what I find interesting, actually? I'm glad you said that because Iron Maiden do things like they release, um, let's say, the Legacy of the Beast video game. I love Iron Maiden, but I couldn't be any less interested in the Legacy of the Beast video game because there's absolutely no mythology behind Eddie. It's just 15 Nothing. album covers, completely separate from one another, no mythology, no story. So if you want to buy, make me buy a video game in 2018, it's like, what am I buying here exactly? Or like, it's, it, there's no narrative. Night Demon has a huge mythology behind all of our songs, the actual town we live in, all of our artwork, all of our imagery and our mascots. I mean, it's, it's vast. We've written two screenplays already on some of this shit. I mean, like, we are so focused on that and there is so much more being built on that right now. So that was from the October 9th episode of Feckin' Metal, which is a great metal podcast if you want to check it out. It's on the Feckin' Chicken Podcast Network. But as Jarvis was saying, I feel like the horror imagery and the Rocky story are such a huge part of this band. And it's something I really appreciate with Night Demon. It's cool to see a band with such attention to detail in the mythology around the band. Like, these aren't just horrific images or just plain badass album covers. I mean, they are that. But there's a very detailed story behind it all. And aside from the traditional heavy metal vibes and sound, with Night Demon, you also get really classic attention to artwork and classic styled imagery. I think just the, the real drawing sense and not really going to CGI, I see a lot of modern albums that bands are putting out 
and they have all this crazy CGI artwork. And I just think it takes a little bit away from the realness. I think we do a very good job with our artwork, with keeping it real, keeping it um, aesthetically sound. The EP is the most like raw piece of artwork that we have. Horror movies as themselves, as the stories told, have not only influenced Night Demon as far as our lyrical content, but also our imagery. I mean, if you look at all of our t-shirts and the cover art of the albums, they're all based on that. Our music videos are basically mini horror movies. Uh, I think myself, I've always had a fantasy or you know, of being a kind of horror filmmaker or a horror director of sorts. And uh, it's no secret that we've written a couple movie scripts. And that's just something that has always been in the back of my mind. I mean, we're musicians first. We know that. We're not trying to come out and say that we're we're filmmakers. But don't put it past us because it is a, a dream that we have. And we've made some attempts at it. And our videos, like I said, are kind of short horror films. And so this is something that will always live within us and that we'll keep taking as far as we can go. Pretty much right off the bat with the Night Demon EP, you could tell that the band was headed in like the in the direction of where imagery is important to the band. Um, I think all the guys in the band c- could say that horror theme and um, unique... Uh, dark imagery, uh, something that's eye-catching, especially in heavy metal and old-school heavy metal. I always think that if it's too um, plain, you know, it gets looked over. Um, I do know that when I first started playing in Europe with the band, um, I believe it was the Keep It True Festival in 2014, as soon as I got to the venue, they had the little like uh, flea market inside, and I could see the EP cover right off the bat um, for the vinyl that we had put out because it was the um, extended EP that we had pressed for vinyl over there at that time, and I could just see the black and white um, drawing of the Night Demon EP, and it stood out like a sore thumb. So that is one thing that I think that our imagery and artwork and t-shirts everything we do it stands out you can put it on the display with all the other bands all their t-shirts all their designs and i think our stuff will stick out most you know over most bands it's definitely a planned thing when it comes to how we go about the imagery in night demon a lot of focus a lot of preparation a lot of hours a lot of time a lot of revisions there's a lot that goes into it it's not necessarily a satanic vibe which i think is a clear indication of where we go with our imagery never want to make it so that we're either one side or the other i think we're right in the middle of everything that is heavy metal without being too death metal or too extreme one end or the other What is up, Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast listeners? This is your resident motor mouth, Jarvis Leatherby, telling you about something very, very special here. The Decibel Hall of Fame Anthology, Volume 3. This is a book, guys, 
That's right. We all know Decibel Magazine as the number one metal magazine in North America for many years running. But you know what? They also have a fucking killer book series, okay? I want to tell you about this. The Decibel Hall of Fame Anthology Volume 3. This limited edition hardcover includes 25 Hall of Fame stories from Decibel's revered monthly series of artist interviews on the making of their classic extreme music albums. Featured in this book are stories behind classic albums such as Stained Class by Judas Priest, Apocalyptic Raids from our good buddy Tom Warrior's Hellhammer, Pleasure to Kill from Teutonic German Terror Creator, Court in the Act from the legendary new wave of British heavy metal gods, Satan, and of course, Abigail from the legendary King Diamond. And last but not least, Night Demon's personal favorite, Heartwork. From the only other band from Liverpool, Carcass. So guys, please head on over right now to store.decibelmagazine.com and grab a copy to read the definite stories of Heavy Metal's definitive albums. Put in the promo code Night Demon upon checkout to receive 10% off. That's Night Demon, one word, all capital letters, Get your 10% store.decibelmagazine.com. While you're there, guys, go ahead and grab a subscription of the Mag 2. They've got a great vinyl flexi series. Do yourselves a favor here. Get on the level. Store.decibelmagazine.com. Promo code NIGHTDEMON. See ya. When discussing Night Demon horror imagery on their merch and t-shirts, the most obvious example of this is the Horror Series t-shirts. So this is a series of three t-shirts. There's Fright Night, Phantasm, and Ghoulies. I'm actually wearing the uh, Phantasm Tallman shirt here right now. We had started doing horror-themed designs pretty early on. Uh, one of our European uh, tour shirts was a Fright Night shirt with the vampire getting burned with the cross in his hand and uh, really cool artwork to kind of kick that imagery off and I think Jarvis has always kind of been really uh, up on marrying horror movies and Night Demon you know it's all by design uh, nothing by accident and so I think you know adding the ghoulies and phantasm to it um, just kind of rounds it all off and I know he had a vision directly of really wanting to see these you know, this this trilogy of artwork, which I think it just all makes sense. And when people see it, it works. Um, we had done the Phantasm artwork on its own, and I don't think it really stood out as much as when you put it all together in a series. Um, and, and a lot of the heavy metal fans like to collect. So any kind of series that we have out there that's a complete one, two, three package... Uh, our fans are going to go out there and they're going to grab all of those because they want that collectible piece and that that solid material in their hands. And speaking of the horror imagery on our T-shirts alone, we do have the Night Demon Horror Series T-shirts, which depict Phantasm, Fright Night, which is my favorite horror movie of all time, and Ghoulies. And I guess the reason behind those is it, it really all started from one of our resident artists, James Dufresne. 
he wrote the story for Blood Sacrifice, the comic that Curse of the our album Curse of the Damned was the soundtrack for. And he's just a great artist and he loves horror and comics and wrestling and all this underground culture, heavy metal stuff that we love. So he just started drawing this stuff on his own. And sometimes I'd see stuff on social media, like he would do a sketch. That's what happened with the Phantasm thing. And I said, oh man, we need that. We need the tall man shirt. The Fright Night shirt, he actually commissioned for us, which was really awesome. And that uh, depicts the vampire Jerry Dandridge on it when he grabs the cross from Charlie and puts it in his hand and the cross kind of melts. And uh, on the artwork, you know, um, since it's like a, I think it's like a six color design for the shirt. Um, the cross is yellow, so it's the same color as the moon behind it. And I remember when my mom first saw that shirt, uh, you know, it's got this yellow cross melting in his hand. As my mom, she didn't know what it was. And she says, why is he melting a stick of butter in his hand? <laughs> I thought that was fucking hilarious. Um, and the ghoulie shirt, actually kind of a funny story. Um, our old roadie, Andrew Bonzal, was uh, kind of straight off the boat from India, and he was kind of getting his feet wet in uh, American culture. And we were on tour one night, and we were in a shitty motel, uh, probably the only one we could afford on that tour. And Ghoulies was on network television, and we were watching, and he he thought it was the funniest, most silliest fucking thing. And especially when the one the one little goblin guy comes out of the toilet. And so James had this idea to to do this night demon shirt and it's great because it's it's the ghoulie coming out of the toilet but his arm is up with the spike in the air so it's just like the metallica metal up your ass design the metal up your ass shirt you know they were going to call their first album metal up your ass but the record company though well the distributors wouldn't accept it um i know megaforce was down to do it but nobody would distribute the record in in 1983 with the name like that so uh they ended up calling the album Kill Em All, basically like kill all the record distributors. But then shortly after that, they made t-shirts of the metal up your ass. And it was just a hand and a fist coming out of a toilet with this metal spike. So James thought it would be cool to uh, create the Ghoulies art like that. And we fucking love it. It's great. And so we're really grateful for him for being our partner in, in just the general love of horror mixed with Night Demon. Uh, the Night Demon t-shirts, the horror movie t-shirts. Well, again, this is before my time. The Fright Night shirt was a, was a classic that was in, you know, came up with before I was in the band. Then we came up with the Phantasm thing and then decided to do a trilogy of shirts or three, based on three movies, a little pack thing. And we did the Ghoulies and the Ghoulies, man, that's a fucking funny one. Uh, what a trippy, that's a funny little movie. I haven't seen that movie in years, but I remember liking that as a kid and thinking it's scary and funny. Our t-shirts have a lot of horror influences. Um, and we try to keep our t-shirt designs just as important as our album covers. Each t-shirt has its own identity and I can look at somebody's shirt and know exactly when they got it what year it's from to have merchandise and stuff that sticks out like that i think is super important um just like any one of my favorite bands i can look at a shirt and know exactly what year it's from and what tour and all that so uh 
it goes hand in hand with you know keeping it that way but i think having the horror images involved in our music is what makes it something to look at you could be walking and just see it out of the corner of your eye and it just stands out and it's like whoa that's a badass shirt or that's a killer album cover you know you it, this is forever so you want it to be something that stands the test of time without being cheesy or um, anything like that so these three horror movie t-shirts they're very cool and uh, night demon's actually running a special sale for fans on october 30th to november 1st that's halloween weekend all of these horror series shirts are going to be 25% off. So you can check that out at nightdemon.net slash shop. And uh, grab yourself a cool Halloween-themed, horror movie-themed Night Demon shirt. I've got all three of them. They're all very cool. They're really well done. Doing those horror t-shirts, I think, was a really cool idea. Horror movies tie in huge to, well, heavy metal, but also specifically Night Demon. Uh, the music videos for Black Widow and Welcome to the Night, they're basically mini horror movies. You know, the band's not really the focus of the video. The Screams in the Night video is based on the horror comic book Blood Sacrifice. Black Widow, um, Welcome to the Night, Screams in the Night, they all have something going on in there with um, people getting killed. <laughs> um, it's not by accident. And I think having a mini-movie as your music video is what we're after. Um, we've talked about in the past doing a full-length movie, and of course it takes a budget that's a little bit bigger than what we can afford at this time. But I have a feeling one day we are going to do a full-length uh, feature. But at this point in time, and in the past, we've done little mini-movies as part of our music videos. Um, the Black Widow video, um, I'll get into that a little bit more later. But in the Black Widow video, uh, we're not in the video at all. We, made, we did that on purpose. We wanted it to be the focus on telling the story, you know, having the girl as the main focus and, and her activities and all that. And Welcome to the Night... Um, there are some band shots, but we're in the dark. Can't really see us all that well. It's just the icing on the cake to see us playing in that video. Same thing with telling the story. You wanted Welcome to the Night to be a mini movie. But the Welcome to the Night uh, video is really cool. little short film. Screams in the Night. Uh, that's a little bit more focused on the performance by the band. Then we superimpose the uh, comic book of Blood of Sacrifice opening scene into the video just to kind of give it that you know, 80s flip through the pages thing um, without it being too, you know, aha-ish where you have the, the art uh, becoming alive. Uh, we just superimpose the comic book right into the video, which I think was a cool effect. Now, to get back to the holiday of Halloween specifically, over the years, Night Demon and the guys in the band have a long, long history of celebrating Halloween in cool and fun ways. Well, Halloween has been a big part of my life. My mom has always been a really big fan of Halloween. You know, growing up around our house, there was always, she would decorate, I mean, everything. I mean, even to this day, you drive by my parents' house and it's like a... Uh, 
<laughs> you know, there's a fucking there's a cemetery out front in the lawn. There's ghosts hanging from everywhere. There's you know spiders, witches, spider webs. She's got all these little. She has a whole little village, actually, of um, all these little miniature like haunted houses and all this kind of crazy stuff. So it's always been a thing, exciting thing for me. So naturally becoming a musician and playing music um, since about, I think, 2000 was the first time we did this thing around town here in Ventura. A bunch of um, basically the, the bands that were you know active would come together and put on a show and everybody would do a cover band and like dress up and become that band for the night. And it became a tradition. And this year would be the 20th anniversary if we were to do something. Uh, I doubt we're going to be doing something this year, but there has been talk because it is the 20th anniversary. So right about now, I think I would like to take the listeners on a trip through the years of Halloween for the past decade plus as far as how we've been involved in it and what we've done every Halloween, not just Night Demon as a band, but also the individuals in this band. You know, there was a time when this band did not exist, and there was also a time when the band did exist, and Dusty and Armand were not yet in the band. However, we have very strong tr- traditions on Halloween, and the three of us have been really close for a very long time. So we've been involved in some other special musical projects together, especially. On Halloween. So I'm going to let the guys walk you through their heavy metal Halloween history. And it all starts back in the early 2000s with another one of my favorite bands, Kiss. A Kiss tribute. Myself as Ace Freely, Jarvis as uh, Mr. Gene Simmons, the demon, and then a couple of other friends of ours, Robin Ryder and Nels Rosengren, playing uh, Peter and Paul. The first year we did this band, well, actually, Jarvis wasn't in it the first year. Funny enough, uh, our the original Gene Simmons character, our friend, who we used to call Dr. Nick, he didn't really know how to play bass, but he had the look down, and we, oh, we did, uh, our style was like the Dress to Kill album cover, so we were just wearing suits with the face paint, because obviously... What the fuck? Who's going to make us real costumes? And we didn't have the money to afford those anyway. So it was kind of an easy way to get out of it, you know, without having to spend a bunch of money. And it looked good. So we played this little bar in town called Billio's. And the funny part was that we just kind of turned <laughs> our gene. We turned him down because he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. He didn't know how to play bass. But he knew the moves. And he was the guy that we had at the time to do it. But the one memorable moment from that night, of course, in bombastic kiss fashion, I decided that I needed to have, you know, a guitar that shot fire. So the best thing I could do was tape a sparkler on the back of my headstock of my guitar, which was a a vintage uh, Les Paul custom silverburst, a very expensive guitar. So I decided to do that, and during rock and roll all night, I had somebody light it <laughs> while I started the solo, and here goes a sparkler inside this little bar. Granted, the fucking ceiling was maybe, you know, 10 feet high or something like that, so 
I'm sure the sparks were hitting it. Could have been a bit of a fire hazard, but it's a sparkler, you know, not much going on. So that thing goes off, and then it gets to the end of it, and it starts burning the back of the headstock on my guitar, literally catching it like there's like a little flame there just burning the back of this guitar, and I was just like, what the fuck, fuck, you know? <laughs> so I'll put it out real quick, but um, I still have that scar on that guitar, and that'll forever be a memory that I'll never forget. So in 2008... Uh, I had the opportunity to play bass as Duff McKagan for the band Pistols and Piles, which was a local Guns N' Roses tribute that Armand had played guitar for. He was like the Slash, and Slash was a huge, huge guitar influence on him, and that really does show a lot in his playing. But So basically, every year, our friend John Criar, who was actually the second drummer of Night Demon, he and I always have come together to put on a special Halloween show locally here in Ventura, California, where all the local musicians get together and do a full night of tribute bands where we play you know, our favorite stuff. But it's all themed around a certain band per group of musicians. So it's a really good opportunity for guys in other bands who aren't playing in serious bands together but are friends to get together and become their heroes and become our heroes on the night of Halloween and play together. So yeah, in 2008, uh, it was Pistols and Piles, the Guns N' Roses tribute. really interesting night that was a lot of fun that's when we used to drink a lot especially on stage and uh, I remember I was playing Duff McKagan that night and I had this big chain and this padlock around my neck kind of like an old uh, Sid Vicious kind of punker thing that Duff used to do and I thought that was really cool he had a little lock but all I could find was just this big huge master lock and I remember just getting so tanked that night and we left our gear at the club because we knew the people that owned it and they said we could get it the next day, it's no problem. We ended up closing the show, so I think we were done by 2 p.m. Actually, I do remember before I finish this story that um, we had our friend Owen Busey come up who also, he was a piano player. He also played 
uh, the keyboard intro on the song Save Me Now on our album Curse of the Damned. But he came up, we had planned this out that he would do one song with us because we were doing November Rain and we didn't have a keyboard player. So we set him up on his own riser off stage and he dressed up as Elton John. It was fucking hilarious. But the really cool thing that happened that night was I remember it was just after midnight when we were on stage. So it was technically November 1st and we started playing that song and I was kind of near a window on the stage looking outside and it just started pouring rain, like just pouring down from the fucking skies. And we've mentioned it before here on this podcast, but Ventura really gets little to no rain. So it was it was fitting that the clock struck midnight and it was technically November 1st and here comes the November rain. But I digress. Let's get back to the lock around my neck. So we leave the club that night. We go to an after party. I I don't know. I end up going to bed at 5 a.m. or something. And uh, I remember getting woken up sometime before noon by Armand. And we ended up going to eat breakfast. And I'm just all disheveled. I got these cowboy boots on. I've got like makeup, like mascara running all over my face and shit. And I still had this huge chain and this padlock around my neck. And it wasn't long enough where I could slip it over my head. So I needed the key to unlock it. And I just could not find the key. And, you know, I had thought that I had left it at the venue. So we ended up back to at the venue, I think about 3 p.m. the next day. And they weren't open yet. So we had to wait for somebody to come and let us in. And I still couldn't find the fucking keys. Um, I ended up finding the key later that night at my place. I don't know how I left it there, but I was about ready to get some bolt cutters and cut that fucking thing off my neck. But anyway, that's just a funny little anecdote from from that show. If you want to see video of that performance from Halloween 2008, that's Pistols and Piles, there's a video of it in the subscriber section on nightdemon.net. Now the next year, 2009, marks the first of many references to the misfits in this episode. So this happened at Nickleby's nightclub, which is no longer uh, around here in Ventura. But it was a pretty legendary venue. A lot of a lot of big acts played at this club throughout the years. Um, I used to sing in kind of a misfits tribute band called Hybrid Moments. And actually, the music is out there. We have a Bandcamp page, so for anybody who's into that, you can go to Bandcamp and check out Hybrid Moments. <laughs> Look into my eyes 
We did an original EP called the Maryland EP, and then an expanded version that had some Misfits covers on there. I think we did I Turned Into a Martian, uh, London Dungeon, and of course, Hybrid Moments, right? Um, so anyway, that was a double bill that night. Hybrid Moments had opened the show, and, and um, Armand had, I think, helped us play guitar on that one. And then we did an Alice in Chains tribute. Um, I played Mike Inez or, and Mike Starr, both bass players, and Armand was the Jerry Cantrell. Our friend Aaron Johnson was the singer for that, and Robin Ryder was the drummer. Those two guys are now playing in the satanic doo-wop band Twin Temple. So it's really cool after all these years, you know, we all grew up together and we're, we're doing these fun things and now we're all in bands that are that are traveling the world. Hey guys, Jarvis jumping in here. I want to tell you about Shadow Kingdom Records. Shadow Kingdom was the first domestic label to release Night Demon on CD. They put out the EP in 2013 and they also released the vinyl version of Live Darkness. Listen, you guys need to get your ass to the Shadow Kingdom Records store, okay? Right now, they're offering 10% off for all Night Demon Heavy Metal podcast listeners. Just go to the website, put in the code NIGHTDEMON10. That's NIGHTDEMON10, all capital letters, NIGHTDEMON10. No spaces. Put that promo code in upon checkout to get 10% off. Right now, guys, they have the Bloodstar 7-inch which has sold over 1,500 copies, and these guys cannot hold on to it. So this next pressing, you want to get that before it goes out, okay? Also, it's SKR Compilation Volume 1. Guys, this is free on Bandcamp. They're giving it away for free. So not only are you going to go to ShadowKingdomRecords.com and put in the code, all capital letters, no spaces, NIGHTDEMON10 upon checkout, you're also going to go to their Bandcamp site and get this compilation for free. You're going to hear tons of fantastic fucking heavy metal. If you love us, you're going to love this label. Check it out, shadowkingdomrecords.com. Put in the promo code NIGHTDEMON10 and receive 10% off of your entire order. Do it. Don't give it to the 
2010, we did a tribute to Danzig, just a straight tribute to Danzig. I, I was Glenn. Armand was John Christ on guitar. We had our friend Kai Dodson from the band Army of Freshmen as, um, on bass and Tony Molino on drums, who was in the band In Control, the hardcore band from out here. That was a really, really fun one. I remember when we were rehearsing for that, Armand had just, uh, his studio was pretty new. And so he had these huge 20-foot ceilings and these white walls around, and he had this projector, and he had the first couple Danzig home videos on VHS. And we used to just project those on the wall. They were cool, these cool black and white documentaries. And we just turn off the sound and we would just jam and rehearse the Danzig set, rehearse those songs um, while that was playing. And we kept it real. We we did the first stuff off the first four albums, which, you know, we really feel is the the classic era of Danzig. Then there was the year we did Danzig proper. Danzig. Only the albums, first three albums, I think. Well, we might have played something off of four. But uh, Jarvis got himself one of those um, muscle suit things. <laughs> and he wore that as a good old Glenn. And you could imagine the rest from there. Jarvis and Armand were actually in a Danzig tribute. Uh, it was hilarious. One Halloween, I think it was Halloween 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jarvis put the muscle suit on and he has a great dancing voice. It's freaking hilarious. And uh, I just remember watching that show. I had been there at that gig and it was it was so funny and so spot on. It was great. So there are lots of pictures of this Misfits tribute show, the Allison Chains tribute show, the Danzig tribute. You can even see Jarvis in his muscle suit as Glenn Danzig. And you guessed it, it's at nightdemon.net slash subscriber. There's so much bonus content for this episode, you're going to be tired of me saying that by the time this episode's over. There's even photos and full videos of what will come the following year, 2011, the Motley Crue tribute. 2011, we did a Motley Crue tribute. Armand was Mick Mars, I was Nikki Six. And again, we had Aaron Johnson on vocals and Robin Ryder on drums, our twin temple friends. And that's kind of like... The four of us have done a, a lot of a lot of things together, but that was pretty interesting.
Um, I remember wearing these huge heels to be like Nikki Six. And it, although it was a lot of fun doing that, I got to say, there is nothing more boring as a bass player than playing Motley Crue songs. I mean, this shit is so basic and so elementary. Um, you know, I mean, I guess I give it up to Nikki Six for being a rock star and being kind of the driving force behind that band as far as business and imagery and stuff. But as a bass player, I mean, it's just completely uninspiring. So I hope when these guys do this reunion tour, if this ever happens, if they write some new songs, that he uh, gets in there and really plays that thing. In 2012, Armand and I were in a band called New Liberty, um, a band that I had moved cross-country with from Pennsylvania. And we landed in Ventura and played a bunch of shows and came out in 2010. So in 2012, we actually did um, a Spinal Tap tribute, which I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, Spinal Tap sounds like a ridiculous thing, and it really is, but when it comes to the drumming of being in a Spinal Tap tribute band, it's a lot of progressive drumming. If you look at any of the drummers that played with Spinal Tap, you know, Greg Bissonette, Todd Suckerman, you got, and the list goes on, all very skilled players because you have to play these wacky fills and this odd timing and um, really lock in so that the songs tell a story. So that was really, really fun. It was really challenging to learn. Uh, Armand nailed it as Nigel and the other two guys uh, and our friend on keys. Um, they all nailed their parts as well. And then one of my personal all-time favorites... We did a Spinal Tap tribute band one year. Uh, that was done by my previous band that I was in with Dusty before Night Demon uh, called New Liberty. This was in 2012. Of course, I got to play the infamous Nigel Tufnell on guitar. I uh, literally cut my hair. I cut my hair and I sprayed it with a red like hair dye thing to match to try to get my hair to look like Nigel. That's how serious I was about it. I had the kilt, the whole deal, man. Uh, there's pictures of that that you'll see on the bonus content. Uh, I still have the miniature Stonehenge that we built as a prop, of course, during Stonehenge, the song. I learned the mandolin part, of course, as you should. And we had the um, had the Stonehenge rigged up in the rafters of the above the stage of the club we we're playing, which of course is Bombay Bar and Grill, which has hosted many frost and fires over the years, and has hosted many, many, many Night Demon shows. And pretty much every other band we've all collectively or separately been in have all played there. So, rigging this thing up with, uh, let's see, some fishing wire and some kind of little plastic handle. We tied it around a little screw in the wall, I think, behind Dusty. And it was his job during that part in Stonehenge... And oh, how they danced, the little children of Stonehenge. He starts to lower the Stonehenge down. The handle f slips out of his hand, and the fucking thing comes crashing down, hits the stage. It didn't hit anybody, but it landed perfectly, standing upright, and all I could do was just 
sit back down on it and do a, you know, typical kind of Nigel pose. I mean, it was, we couldn't have planned that, you know. It was a, it was a real Spinal Tap moment happening to a Spinal Tap tribute band on Halloween. Uh, 2012. Uh, I can't really remember what I did this year. Honestly, I really can't remember. But I do know that Armand and Dustin were in a band at the time called New Liberty. And they were kind of like a Sunset Strip, kind of more sleazy rock band. But actually, they had some really hard hitters. And they had some, Armand had some really, really great riffs in that band. And kind of like a Thin Lizzy ish kind of vibe. But it's all, all in all, it, it was definitely more of the, uh, the 80s kind of hair metal thing without the total glam look. Although Dustin did used to wear a unitard in that band. And I don't know if that's his love for cock rock or his love for wrestling or both, but it was pretty entertaining and uh, he smashed it in that band. I mean, he's just such a great drummer, but it was really cool for him to play in that band, just four on the floor. But anyway, uh, so those guys got together with Shane Mack, their singer, and Willie Love, the bass player. So it was New Liberty as a band. They didn't use any outside um, musicians, but they did a Spinal Tap tribute that year, and it was so fucking good, and it was hilarious. I remember, I think they covered Christmas with the Devil as a B-side on one of their singles, but... They ended up doing a great Spinal Tap set. Their costumes were great. They learned the music really well. And they even had a fucking Stonehenge come down from the rafters. They crafted this little mini Stonehenge out of foam and paper mache and stuff and had somebody drop it down when they did it. It was totally classic. I loved being in the audience to see that. Maybe that's why I don't remember what tribute band I did that year because I, all I remember from that year is, is how good that was. So if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you probably remember us discussing the Judas Priest tribute, Hellbent for Pleather, from 2013. Then the Judas Priest tribute the following year with uh, Armand, Brent, uh, our friend Aaron, Jarvis, and myself were in. That was a lot of fun. Um, challenging once again to play those songs as solid as they are. You know, the one thing with Priest is that everything's straightforward, but it needs to be locked in and it needs to be solid. And I had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, 2013, the Judas Priest tribute. We talked about this on episode four of the podcast on the Q&A. But um, yeah, hell bent for pleather. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so this was the first and only time 
that Armand and Brent Woodward had been on stage together. So this was before Armand was in the band. It was Brent when Brent was still in the band, but Dustin was already in the band. So it was myself as Ian Hill, Brent as KK Downing, Armand as Glenn Tipton, uh, Dustin as whatever drummer, right? <laughs> I mean, it could have been any of them because Priest had a lot of drummers back then. And uh, again, Aaron Johnson on vocals as the Rob Halford. Um, I know we put up a video to that as the bonus content for episode four, but I think we're going to put it again as bonus content in this because we have so much bonus content for for everything that I'm talking about here. 2015, uh, we did not do any performances that year. Um, I know Armand had played um, in Mandex, which is a hair metal tribute that he and I started just for fun years ago, actually for his sister's birthday. Um, but that band ended up um, having a go at it and playing more and more throughout the years as just kind of like a bar band making money on the weekends and stuff. But it was pretty entertaining. Um, so we were at the Bombay Bar and Grill for that, and they played the front room. And in the back room, we did something called Heavy Halloween. And our original drummer, Pat Bailey, had, was playing in a pentagram tribute. So that was pretty cool. And uh, Brent Woodward and myself were the resident DJs that night. So we brought our vinyl and we we did DJ sets between the bands. But it's great because we dressed as ZZ Top. So <laughs> it was awesome. It was the two of us as ZZ Top and our original drummer playing in a pentagram tribute. And our future guitar player and our current engineer and producer, Armand, up front in the other bands. So... I mean, it just goes to show like what a close knit family we are or were um, in those days, especially. Um, but that was a pretty cool night. That was a memorable night. And it was actually cool for me not to play for once, not to have to perform and just spin records. The only problem was I had this long ass beard uh, being one of the either Dusty Hill. Actually, I was Dusty Hill. Brent was Brent was Billy Gibbons, but trying not to uh, get the needle on the turntable caught off my fucking beard hanging down. It's classic. Uh, 2016, yeah, I don't remember playing that year either. I remember me and the Sirith Ungle guys, though, going to see Alice Cooper at the Pantages Theater in Hollywood. And that was pretty funny because the Pantages is a place that you would go see a high-end musical or a play or something like that. I had never seen a rock concert there. And I remember we were getting some drinks in the lobby and the lights started to swell on and off in the lobby. And we're like, wow, that's creepy. That's a cool little Halloween trick. Well, turns out that that is a sign that they do at plays and musicals and stuff. That means you need to get into the hall. So basically, if you're not in the hall, when those lights stop doing that, you are not getting into the show, even though you're inside the venue. So good thing somebody told us. Uh, the funny thing about that concert was um, I actually had a little bit of validation at the end of that night. Um, we were standing back in the lobby after Alice Cooper's amazing fucking set. And um, a fan had come up and wanted to take a photo with me. And so that was cool. And then I get a tap on my shoulder excuse me, can I have a photo too? And I turned around and it was my mom and it was my parents. I mean, just <laughs> like, I don't think I had any idea that they were at Alice Cooper on Halloween night, but go figure, you know, my stepdad, Mike is a huge Alice Cooper fan and I'm sure he dragged my mom there. Uh, but 
Um, it was really cool to run into them. And uh, I think that's the first time that the guys from Ungle met my parents. But uh, that was just a really, really awesome moment. Hey guys, Nesbitt here. If you'd like to support Night Demon and this podcast, the best way to do it is to become a Night Demon subscriber. Not only will you be doing your part to support a true heavy metal band out there really living it, you'll also gain access to a ton of extras. Bonus audio content, a subscriber-only merch store with rare items from the band's archives, you can stream never-before-heard demos and unearth live concerts from the live vaults, communicate with the other Night Demon diehards on an exclusive subscriber forum, and gain early access to all press releases, album pre-orders, new merchandise, and a ton more. And another thing that I think is pretty cool is Night Demon will be donating 10% of every subscription fee to the Metal Cares Foundation, which is a charitable fund the band started in 2014 to aid those in our metal community. So head over to nightdemon.net slash subscriber and join us as we make heavy metal history together as one. And on a side note, I'll personally think you're a great A badass. Uh, 2017, um, you know, around that time we were, we were filming the, for the Black Widow video, which was cool filming it around Halloween. Um, we'll do a future episode on Black Widow where where we will get really in depth, but we were filming a lot of it at a friend's house and she sets up her house for Halloween. Like it's a big attraction around here and people come to it. I mean, it's amazing. So there's so much work that goes into it. So it was cool to be able to film the video around that time and use the house for all the aesthetics for our mini horror movie, Black Widow. But that Halloween weekend, Night Demon and Sirith Ungle had flown to Baltimore, Maryland for a one-off to play the Days of Darkness Festival, which this was a first-year festival that was a spinoff of the Maryland Death Fest that happens out there every May where they were kind of focusing less on death metal, black metal, grindcore, thrash bands, and kind of just trying to get some some heavy metal bands, some doom bands. And it was a really great weekend. Um, you know, Manila Road was out there playing with us. And, uh, you know, talking about those guys, those guys have been such great friends of ours. We've played all over the world together. I can't even name how many cities, states, and countries. Um, but those guys are our brothers. And um, we lost Mark the Shark Shelton, the leader in the heart and soul of that band, uh, a couple years ago at Headbangers Open Air. He had a heart attack. And um, I was, I'm going to say we were fortunate enough to be there that day um, to spend Mark's last day on this earth with him. And we had a great time. There was something about that day that was so special. And there was some a special something in Mark's eyes that day. And I, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back on it, you know, the next morning when we got the call that he had um suffered a heart attack after the show, um I just could I still can't believe it. But um it was a it was I'm really happy we were there and and I'm really happy that we got to spend that day with him and see his his final performance. Um but anyway, uh the boys 
in Manila Road were were also there in Maryland that weekend and playing as well. And we got to bum around town together a little bit, and it was really fun because we went to visit Edgar Allan Poe's grave and his house out there in Baltimore, and it was just super awesome. It's in this really shady ass neighborhood, you know, crime ridden, drug ridden neighborhood now. But his house is just so tiny. It's just crazy how these things were made back then. You know, you can hardly fit up the staircase. But being there at his grave and, um, you know, having photos of all of us bands hanging out together there was a really cool thing. And it was especially great because it was Halloween weekend, right? Um, I do remember one thing very special about that weekend. Uh, you know, in all of our preparation to get out to Baltimore, we left Rocky at home. <laughs> it was like, it was like an episode of Night Demon Home Alone. Imagine Rocky with his hands on his face and his mouth open wide, like, you know, Kevin McAllister on Home Alone. We left Rocky home alone. So we had no Rocky. We had no mascot and it was Halloween. We had to play the chalice, right? So enter Kit Ekman here to save the day. So I got to the venue Friday night and met up with the Night Demon guys for some beers and some laughs. You know, it's always good to see them. They weren't playing that night. Everything was relaxed. It was fun. And then their faces got all serious and they said, look, dude, we're not going to play the chalice because we lost the Rocky costume. We don't know where it is. Shit, we just don't know what happened to it. It's gone. And we didn't bring it. I refuse to accept that. I'm like, how can it be a Night Demon show without Rocky? How can it be a Night Demon show without the chalice? So I asked them, amidst like 20 beers. I was like, like, can I try to fix this? Can I try to rustle up a Rocky costume tomorrow? If I do that, you know, will you consider actually playing the song? And they said, sure. So I was staying with my then sister-in-law, not my sister-in-law anymore, but now she was, uh, in the Baltimore suburbs. And the next morning, so it was Saturday morning, I got up early and asked my sister-in-law to drive me to Party City. For the benefit of those who don't live in the U.S. and maybe haven't heard of it, Party City is this chain store that sells, basically they sell cheap plastic crap for birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, etc. Now this was Halloween weekend, so I figured Party City's bound to have something that can do service for Rocky. So my sister-in-law agreed. She drove me over there. It was this chilly, crappy, rainy morning. I spent 45 minutes inside just just absolutely painstakingly going through the shit they had, looking for something that could work for Rocky. There was actually a pretty decent robe. It was this very kind of tattered, black, windswept kind of thing. I'm like, okay, that works. Um, the mask, the best mask I found was pretty bad, but it was kind of ghoulish, and at least it had a hood. Skeleton gloves were no problem. The skeleton gloves were fine. Uh, it was really tough to find a chalice. Uh, I eventually settled on this really shitty plastic goblet with this like smoky plastic. Uh, It had the word loaded loaded imprinted on it, like for a pimp daddy or something. So we covered it with duct tape. We we strapped duct tape around it to hide the word loaded so that it could somehow make do as a chalice. I mean, all in all, it wasn't a great substitute, Rocky, but it could work. And the total bill was like 65 bucks. So I got back to my sister-in-law's house. The guys were all calling. They were wanting photos because... You know, if the costume was crap, they were going to scrap. They were going to scrap the chalice. It was not going to be part of the set. But somehow, I persuaded them that yes, this could actually work. So when I got to the venue, and again, this is the Rams Head Live Entertainment Complex in the Inner Harbor, it was buzzing with Halloween celebrations. Everybody was in some kind of elaborate Halloween costume, except of course for the black t-shirt wearing metalheads who were coming to the Days of Darkness festival. 
So as I stood outside with a beer watching the festivities, it occurred to me like how wrong it would have been for this gig to happen without Rocky. You know, what's a Night Demon gig without Rocky? But more importantly, what the hell is Halloween without Rocky? I mean, it had to happen. So it did. I mean, the Rocky getup was, eh, it was pretty marginal. It was pretty shady. But thankfully, the stage lighting was very dark, so nobody could really see the details of the costume. Uh, the long and the tall and the short of it is Party City Rocky went out there during the chalice and he kicked Baltimore's ass. Not as much as Night Demon did for the whole set, but Party City Rocky held up his end of the bargain. It was the one and only time it ever happened. Uh, there's some video in the subscriber section, not only of Party City Rocky in full regalia and action, but of me actually donning the Party City Rocky gear one final time at Night Demon's headquarters in Ventura a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was definitely worth a few laughs and definitely worth checking out. But anyway, that was great. And again, thank you, Kit Ekman, for always coming to Night Demon's rescue. So 2018 brings us up to one of the biggest Halloweens in Night Demon history. Heavy Hamburg Halloween. 2018. Heavy Hamburg Halloween. Okay, so... It's no secret that Night Demon puts on a festival, a heavy metal festival called Frost and Fire out here in Ventura, California. We also have an addition in London. Well, come Halloween 2018, leading up to that, um, I managed the band Satan, the legendary new wave of British heavy metal band. And the guitarist, Russ Tippins, his birthday is on Halloween. And I had had a meeting with Schrorg from the owner of Dragon Productions, one of the bigger metal booking agencies in Germany. And we had been talking, and I got him to sign Satan to his roster. So Satan was putting out the Cruel Magic album, and we were discussing having them do just a short run in Germany, maybe four or five shows. And it was going to be around that time. And... Shrog had mentioned that he had booked the Mark Tale with Ross the Boss from Manowar and Portrait. And I think Bullet was on that too, Bullet from Sweden. Hey folks, it's Shrog again from Dragon Productions. It was uh, July 17th in 2018 and it was a nice sunny day when I took Jarvis and our good friend Bart out for lunch in one of Hamburg's oldest restaurants. We've been talking about this and that, and after lunch we went to the harbor, sat down and had an Alsterwasser, and um, started to discuss possibilities for Satan. The album came out um, later the year, and it was exactly the week um, of Halloween. And Jarvis said that we should start with some shows in that week, and I said... I have uh, Ross the Boss Bullet and Portrait playing Hamburg, the Markthalle, exactly on Halloween. And he said, wow, that's great. Um, let's add Satan and um, make it a festival and we'll call it Heavy Hamburg Halloween. We decided, you know, Germany didn't really have a Halloween thing going on. You know, they don't really celebrate that. So we decided, of course, well, as Americans do, let's bring it, let's bring Halloween to Germany. So we did, and we booked a show. We called it Heavy Hamburg Halloween. The first year, 2018, the lineup was Satan, Ross the Boss, Bullet, and a band called Portrait. Why don't we just put Satan on that show too as a headliner or a co-headliner 
and then we'll have a bigger bill. And I thought, well, that's a great idea. And actually, let's theme it. Let's start a festival. Let's call it Heavy Hamburg Halloween. We had thought of doing the Heavy Hamburg because Hamburg doesn't really celebrate Halloween. So we wanted to bring a little bit of that Halloween tradition to Germany and to Hamburg because we just are so familiar with that area and we love it so much. And And if we can get a couple people to dress up and encourage a little bit of that vibe, um, it's the icing on the cake. A kind of odd name, if you ask me. But anyway, we said Night Demon have to play as well. And he said, yeah, we will play, but uh, we cannot announce Night Demon. And the reason was that Night Demon were supposed to headline Hell over Hammerberg in March 2019. And you know the story, this is where the fantastic single with Uli John Roth was recorded. So Jarvis said, all we can do is announce a secret special guest. We, we promoted the show that way, that we told the people, be there in time, there's something special happening, and if you're going to miss it, this will be an epic fail. Since we were going to be there anyway, we decided to premiere the video for Black Widow at Heavy Hamburg Halloween. So we set up a projector screen in the front and premiered the video. We had tagged the advertisements with it so people in the audience knew they were going to get a premiere of a new Night Demon video. However, what they did not know was that uh, the members of Night Demon, myself, Dusty, and Armand, were about to come on stage and play a surprise set of full-on Misfits covers. So <laughs> we ended up coming on stage and people were totally shocked because even though we were premiering the video there, they had no idea that the band was actually in the house. Uh, so it was great. We went out there and performed a really, really awesome Misfits set. And Night Demon jumped on stage and delivered 15 minutes pure misfits energy, dressed up like the misfits, makeup like the misfits, hair like the misfits. Of course, we dressed up like misfits, and uh, I did the Sam Hain blood thing, um, and the guys looked more like traditional misfit um, garb. But uh, that was a really, really cool event, and it was fun. It was a nice surprise, especially after the screen went up and we just hit that dirty cord uh, right off the bat. Uh, it was it was pretty cool. We had, uh, for the first time, debuted the Black Widow video. And then after that, we decided, well, since we're not playing as Night Demon, we should do a secret... Well, first of all, let's air the video, and then let's do a little small set dressed and playing songs by... Another Danzig favorite, The Misfits. So, since we've all kind of done this before, Jarvis had a Misfits kind of band um, years ago that I played in with him. So he had all the gear. We knew all the songs. They're simple songs, you know. Um, but I decided to kind of do, I called myself Doyle Only, I think. Doyle only Von Frankenstein. And I did a kind of a makeup. I did the hair with the big old devil lock, the white face with the black eyes. Um, I didn't get buff enough, I guess, but I did my own version of that. And we went out and did a quick, like, 20-minute set. 
before, to warm up the show, and people didn't know we were going to do it. Of course, it was another surprise. Looks on some of the people's faces, like trying to figure out what the fuck they were doing or whatever, you know? So Night Demon, dressed as the Misfits, hits the stage, and it's a complete surprise to the audience. Here's Marco Manderfeld, huge Night Demon supporter. He was in the audience that night. Hi, this is Marco from Germany. I'm a big Night Demon fan and supporter since, well, I guess sometime around when Darkness Remains came out. I've seen the band quite a few times live since then. Met the guys, had a beer or two, or three. And you know, concerts come and concerts go. Some are great, few are not, but with Night Demon, every concert is and was great. And for me personally, they are the basis for fond memories and always a good story. Hanging out backstage or traveling to places like Spain, Hungary, or even Ventura, California for the Frost and Fire Festival. One of the most memorable stories, though, is about the show when Night Demon wasn't even on the bill. October 31st, 2018, Markthalle, Hamburg. Sometime in mid-2018, ads showed up on Instagram and Facebook for a concert, quote-unquote, Heavy Hamburg Halloween, featuring Portrait, Bullet, Russell Boss, and I guess Satan headlining the evening. Now, Halloween is near as big in Germany as it is in the States, but the day itself, or the day after, depending on what federal state you live in, is a national holiday. So a day off, four awesome bands, and all of that taking place in the Markthalle, my favorite indoor concert location, count me in. So it happened that during Frost and Fire I talked to Jarvis um, also about this concert, and he tells me that basically they initiated Heavy Hamburg Halloween, and they got something special planned for it. I'd all but forgotten Jarvis' remarks about something special when Again, on Instagram and Facebook, the announcement showed up that the video for Black Widow would premiere that evening at the start of the event. I mean, a little bit of night even in the evening sounded cool, and still, it seemed odd to just show a video, and the excitement grew that maybe, just maybe, the guys would perform live. You know, one of the surprise gigs they do now and then. So, off we went to the Markthalle on that day, and me, just in case, wearing a Night Demon shirt and my custom Night Demon vest. And when we passed the security guy, on the table next to him was the running order printed out and it included stage times. And lo and behold, 30 minutes of stage time for Night Demon it said. That just had to be too long for just the video. And we entered the concert hall and my more or less non-metal wife, at the time then still my even more non-metal girlfriend, stops dead in her tracks and I remember my promise, we will watch the show safely from the back. Fully expecting to see Night Demon live that evening, I tell her that, you know, in the back isn't going to work for me anymore. And could we go a little bit more towards the stage? Lucky me, she agreed to that. So we walk to halfway to the stage and she goes, well, this is a nice place, no? Now you have to understand that the majority of the people present are not expecting anything else than a video showcase. And so most of them are still literally besieging the bar in the next room. And the majority of those probably with the intent to stay there until the first band's stage time. Meaning, except for diehard Night Demon fans, the front row is basically empty. So I say, maybe a little bit more to the front. Well, you guessed it. Of course, we end up front of stage, her first metal concert, no hearing protection whatsoever. But... It hasn't fully crowded up yet. So the video comes up, 
and the reactions are positive because it's a cool video, but well, it's just a video. But it then becomes clear to everybody that it isn't over yet. And me insisting going to the stage pays off because now we are in a prime spot for whatever is coming up. So I'm there, all excited, fully expecting to hear the intro to Welcome to the Night when Dusty mounts the drums and all of a sudden Armand first and then Jarvis burst onto the stage and play the Misfits. The music? Totally unexpected. The outfits? Outrageous. I mean, I'm looking at the pictures I put up on Instagram that evening and Armand's just plateau-booted, face-painted, hairdo, misfits awesomeness. So to catch you fully off guard, the two guys in the front switch sides. Armand to the right, Jarvis to the left. And as a Night Demon fan, you're not used to that. So like most of the people in the front row, I need a split second to figure out what's actually going on. Then we all realize something very special and unique is going on. And off goes the crowd. Headbanging, fist pumping, singing along. Meanwhile, everybody outside noticed something's going on on stage, and then the place gets really crowded. Needless to say, it turned into one hell of a ride. They played eight songs, all in all, um, with one of them, Blood and Tears, a dancing song, which for me made it even better. And to top things off, I got to keep one of the set lists. Talk about one special Night Demon memorabilia. So there you have it. Something special was promised, something special was delivered. Heavy Hamburg Halloween 2018, featuring Night Demonized Misfits. And that was a fun set um, to learn drum-wise for me because I'd never really dove too deep down the Misfits rabbit hole. Of course, I was familiar with the band and I'd heard uh, a lot of their stuff at parties and um, you know throughout life, of course, you're going to hear the Misfits. And it was cool because... When I dove into the songs, I realized how tricky they were and how much the Misfits can put into a two-minute song and how the song seems so simple until you start to play it and dissect it and just keeping the energy going, um, keeping my stamina up. Uh, it's a brutal set to play those songs because it's intense, especially playing it live in front of our fans. I went a little bit overboard and probably burned myself out after the first two songs. But we ended up getting through it, and it was a really cool um, time to, to, to pull that off. And we had a lot of fun doing it. So we came right out and opened up the show with Where Eagles Dare, which is so fucking badass. When the bass goes with the bass drum and the floor tom, when Dustin's hitting the snare like that, he did a really good job on that one. Right into Last Caress, into Green Hell. So we did this actually the Metallica way. 
Uh, well, for the most part, um, we did the big pause like the misfits do. And, um, but we, that we segued from last caress into green hell the same way that it happens on the original 1987 garage days EP. And so we thought that was fucking cool. Um, into 138, just a great song. I think actually the song is probably a minute and 38 seconds long, but um, Armand nailed the two note solo on that. <laughs> it's actually hard, you know. The simpler you play, sometimes it's 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 more difficult. Then right into Skulls, which again has always been one of my favorite songs. And the fact that I got to sing that on stage with the Misfits, I know I was ready to do that with Night Demon. So. was cool uh london dungeon another one that hybrid moments um used to cover and that we actually recorded that is on the maryland ep Um, 
and blood and tears. So, you know, we closed the show with Halloween, uh, but blood and tears was really just kind of a way to bring it down and to do a Danzig ballad off Lucifuge is just, I mean, who does that? Nobody. And we actually pulled it off pretty well.
I think that just shows the diversity of Night Demon to go out and play the most simple punk rock songs, uh, but great songs, and then go into Blood and Tears. I think that I was just really proud of us as as a band for being able to do that. I was so nervous that I actually had handwritten the lyrics to the song and had taped it on the monitor just to make sure. So if I ever needed to look down, if I was forgetting something, I could go down there. That one really mattered to me. The other Misfit songs, uh, they mattered as well, but I had sung those songs so many times live with hybrid moments that I just know every Misfit lyric. I, I mean, off the top of my head, I can just spout them out. So um, it was a great night. And, you know, I don't know how well the the German audience really knows the Misfits. I mean, I think they know the brand. Um, I think they probably know more Danzig stuff than they actually do Misfits. We're used to playing these songs to a U.S. crowd where the place just goes into a fucking frenzy and everybody is singing along. And that's, you know, the Misfits really did take off in America. And I definitely know in the Latin countries too, they're huge. So it would really be cool to see on their reunion tour, them be able to go down there. They were going to Mexico, I know, to, to play one of the big festivals down there. But, you know, COVID-19, there's something scarier than Halloween or Danzig or the Misfits or Night Demon. So 2018, the first heavy Hamburg Halloween, Night Demon bringing Halloween to Germany, with a surprise Misfits tribute and a festival full of killer metal bands. Now, if you're a subscriber, the full audio from that show, The Misfits Set, in the subscriber section, there's also a pro shot video. It's very cool looking. So if you want to see Night Demon as The Misfits performing that set, you know where to go. That was a fucking really crazy night. The guys in Satan. I think that night they debuted a drink they called um, Jaeger. Uh, fi- no, no, no. Sorry, Firemeister, which was Jaegermeister and Fireball mixed together. You know those guys aren't spring chickens, man, but they can fucking drink. So at the end of the show of course you know we're all partying that backstage and those guys were hammered man i think i think brian the singer <laughs> we had to carry him out of there he was like puking in the stairwell backstage after the show like just fucking annihilated man i think we had just tore up that backstage drank everything in sight and i'm pretty sure we went out and hit the town after that cuz you know hamburg never sleeps so It was a perfect, fun, great, good time. So a huge influence on Night Demon, as you probably already figured out, is Glenn Danzig and the Misfits. And I'm going to assume everyone's familiar with the Misfits and Danzig. But basically, the Misfits, it's really fucking evil horror punk chock full of hooks. So from the late 70s, early 80s, basically the creation of Glenn Danzig. He later went on to form Sam Hain and then the band Danzig. There's a bit of a complicated history in there, but we'll skip that for this podcast. So you heard about Jarvis's Misfits-inspired band Hybrid Moments, which is named after a Misfits song, by the way. I say Misfits-inspired because they didn't just do Misfits covers, they did Misfits-inspired originals, and also some covers. And they're very cool. You can check them out on Bandcamp if you Google them. And you also heard about the full Misfits set at Heavy Hamburg Halloween, 
But there's a lot more history with the Misfits and Danzig and Night Demon. I've touched a little bit on our on our history and you know my singing in hybrid moments and our love for Danzig and Misfits and the tributes that we've done. And actually, um, it was great to be able to be to to play the Samhain reunion show in L.A. at the Wiltern, uh, which we did a few years earlier. And I remember Russ McKay, who's uh, one of Glenn's uh, bodyguards, he phoned me up and he's like, Jarvis. And I said, yeah. He says, Glenn wants to know if Night Demon wants to play with Sam Hain. And I was like, uh, yeah, when? And he's like, next week. And I said, okay, man, just tell us when and where and, and we'll be there. You know, I'd known that the show was coming up at the Wiltern and I had already bought a ticket and so I ended up just giving it to somebody else because obviously I didn't need a ticket anymore, right? I had fucking guest list at this point for friends and family. But that was great. It was a great, great fucking show. Um, Roger Camaro, who um, who engineered um, and co-produced Curse of the Damned, he came out to do front of house sound for us. I remember talking to Glenn after our sound check and he's like, oh, I'm really stoked you guys are here. And uh, I remember after the show, um, you know, the Wiltern is a pretty big venue, I think 3,500 seater. And downstairs, um, they have a huge backstage for the headliner. And I think, I don't know, you could probably fit 200 people down here in this backstage, but there's different rooms. And in Glenn's room, there was a line of people outside the room, like, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 people kind of waiting their turn to get in and say hello. So here comes Russell McKay, one of the poor kids. He used to work for poor... He he lives at a place called the Poor Kids Mansion in LA, and they have a radio station that they run with Be Real from Cypress Hill, the Poor Kids Radio. Anyway, so yeah, I mentioned before, Russ is uh, Glenn's personal security. So he came up to Brent and, and, to Brent and I and said, hey... Um, Come talk to Glenn. So we go in, we get escorted into his dressing room and we bypass this line of a bunch of people. And Glenn's just sitting there all sweaty after the show. And there's like four random girls in there and just Glenn. And he's like, hey, and we're like, hey. And he said, so what'd you think? And we were just like, man, it is. this was fucking amazing. I didn't get to meet Danzig when we opened for Sam Hain. I had gone to sleep in our van. Um, Brent Woodward, our original guitar player, and Jarvis both got to meet him. And they said it was amazing. He was super nice to them. Let them have a shot of his jack or whatever, you know, because he didn't really drink. He just has it there. And I guess he was surrounded by a bunch of chicks and was just hanging out, just being Glenn Danzig. And... Um, yeah, so I didn't get to, to meet him, unfortunately, but I had to catch some Zs so that I could uh, drive us back from L.A. to Ventura. Uh, wasn't that far of a drive, but when it gets late, it's a, it's a bitch to get all the way there. Truth be told, I mean, my personal preference, I'm a humongous Misfits fan and Danzig fan, but Sam Hain is probably my favorite of all the three bands, and it's so underrated. The music is not readily available out there, even with the internet. It's not on streaming platforms yet. But Sam Hain was a very, very, very special band. And I think had they had the opportunity to have some better sounding recordings, I think their legacy would be a lot stronger these days. But, you know, the Danzig stuff and the Misfit stuff also is just 
hugely influential for me. And through the years, it was great. I remember Armand and I, I mean, shit, 10 years before Night Demon was even a band, we were going, we went to Tower Records um, when he put out one of his DVDs and we went to a signing and we got photos of that. Myself and Jarvis, uh, we met him. We went down to meet him when he released, he re-released the home video stuff, or at least I think it was the home video stuff for like, Danzig 3 and 4, um, he did a re-release DVD or something like that. And we went. he was doing a signing at Tower Records in Hollywood when that was still a thing. And we went down there and waited in line and got to meet him there. And we got a really cool picture with him. We'll have to put that on the uh, website as well. For me, the Misfits came later. For me, it was Danzig early on. Uh, growing up when I was, I don't know, probably... 12 or 13 or something, a friend of mine had Danzig's third album, How the Gods Kill. And that fucking album, man. That album, like, just resonated with me so, really, so deeply. Like, I don't know, it was just, it was fucking scary. It was sinister. That first song, you know, Godless, when it breaks down in the verse part, it's just that slow, bah. Those chords, those like dirty fucking, like almost out of tune chords, man. Like that shit scared the shit out of me. You know, I had gone to, uh, I had gone to Catholic school all my life. My parents weren't really, they're not super religious, but there was definitely a, a sense of religion and going to church and stuff in my family because, you know, my mom's side is Italian. Her parents are from Italy. And, you know, of course, there's a very big uh, religious thing going on there. So I went to Catholic school. So, like, fucking hearing this music talking about, you know, was different from Black Sabbath and stuff. You know, like, Ozzy was a likable character. But Danzig had this, like, really kind of dark persona. And for a 12-year-old kid, man, it was fucking scary. But it was also like I couldn't get enough of it, you know? Songs like Heart of the Devil, shit like that. Like, what are they singing about, you know? I'm going to grab, you know, the left-hand black, all this stuff. I just didn't understand. I didn't know this stuff. And the cover, too, with the, the Giger painting, like, holy shit, man. I'm telling you, I that thing was, I don't know, very influential on me growing up and as a musician. I know all those songs front to back. So anyway, I remember I found out that, oh, this Danzig was in this band. Oh, he had this band called The Misfits, too, you know? It's like, shit, I got to check this out. I remember I got a tape at a uh, record store. I was probably like 13 or 14 or something like that. I had gone on a family trip with my parents to uh, Palm Springs. My dad used to play music at a restaurant down there around that time. And we would go, you know, hang out for the weekend with him. We had a motorhome and take it down there and while he would play we'd hang out we'd go to the restaurant you know hang out for the night and during the day we'd do whatever you do in Palm Springs I don't know go lay by a pool somewhere uh, so I bought this Misfits tape I don't remember which album it was I think it was a compilation or something and I remember putting it in my little Walkman and listening to it and thinking what the fuck is this this sucks <laughs> after coming from like Danzig who has the Danzig albums, solo albums, like fucking talk, they're such a great band, you know? Guitar player John Christ, such a precision, really good guitar player. The drums were killer. 
you know, Chuck Biscuits. Holy shit, man. And then I heard the fucking Misfit stuff. Yeah, I was just like, what? This sucks, man. <laughs> you know? So I just, I remember just giving up on it, and I never really got back into it until later on, and I realized, oh, this is kind of where he started with stuff, and then I, then I really appreciated it later on. Um, I remember Armand and I waiting outside of the Grove in Anaheim, I want to say 2006, 2007, something like that, um, and Glenn had fallen off the stage and broken his arm the night before, but he still did that gig, and that's when Doyle started doing shows with him again. But I remember us waiting outside the venue in the back for Glenn to come out, and he sure did. And he was cool, and he was awesome, and he took photos with us, and he was great. But <laughs> the best story is this ice cream truck pulls up. And mind you, this is after the show. I think it was a weeknight, too. So it's like after midnight, and this ice cream truck pulls in to the backstage, and they let him in through the fence. It's almost like they had called him there, like Glenn wanted ice cream. So Glenn takes a little break from saying hello to the the you know the diehard fans that stuck around and waited for him. And he goes to the ice cream truck and he's looking at the side at all the pictures and he's pointing at this stuff. And we see Glenn going out there, man, ordering some fucking like, yeah, let me get a uh, let me get a creepsicle. Yeah, yeah, a couple creepsicles, you know, yeah. And then he just, he was yelling at the guy through the window and he got all fucking pissed off and he just, he just fucking left. He didn't even get anything and he went into the bus. Um, he ended up coming out again and talking to the fans, but I just thought that was classic. Guy calls an ice cream truck. Ice cream truck doesn't have what he wants. Fuck you. I'm Glenn Danzig. I'm out of here. I don't think I'll give up the ghost right now, but we have some very big plans in Night Demon for something that we want to do with Glenn. And um, I just sincerely hope that that this thing does see the light of day. So stay tuned and we'll see what happens. So potential huge Danzig-related Night Demon news in the future. You'll have to stay tuned to stay on top of that. Now, there's another significant event in Night Demon history that involves the Misfits. One of the coolest things that I was ever a part of is, you know, the popularity of hybrid moments being a kind of Misfits tribute um, out here in Ventura, California. Uh, the Misfits would come to town every year in the fall and play in Ventura. And Loanne Willard, who was running the Ventura Theater, she had mentioned that to Jerry only from the Misfits. And, uh, you know, I was at the gig, of course, and he just straight up asked me, hey, do you want to come up and sing Skulls tonight? And I said, you got to be fucking kidding me. So this is great. I don't remember the year. I want to say maybe 2007, 2008, something around then. But I went up there and uh, our friend Mark Whitaker took some great photos. And um, our other friend Daniel Baldwin was up in the balcony. It's a pretty big venue. And this is like way before cell phones were good at taking video. But he did take some video and uh, I do have that. And I think we're going to put that up in the subscriber content for this. Uh, super fucking awesome. One of the highlights of my fucking life. And I'm glad there is some documentation of this. And you guessed it. In the subscriber section, you can see the video of Jarvis on stage with the Misfits singing Skulls. So Night Demon opening for Sam Hain, Jarvis singing live with the Misfits. Just goes to show what a huge influence Danzig and the Misfits are 
on Night Demon. And just for fun, because this is the Halloween special, I asked Armand what his top Misfit songs were. London Dungeon, to me, is a a precursor to Danzig, you know, Danzig to come. Fucking great riff, really cool, like dark vibe, slower, more rock, you know, more my style. Of course, that's probably, that's, yeah, for sure. That's my uh, favorite, favorite Misfits song, without a doubt. Vampira, that's a really good one. I really like that one because of, well, because of Vampira. I was always a fan of that character, like, you know, the uh, Elvira Vampira whole thing. Skulls is always a good one. And I also liked, uh, what's it called? Um, let's, let us not forget, oh yeah, the whole Metallica thing again, of course. That's probably what my first, my first, intro- my introduction to the Misfits was probably through Metallica. And I probably didn't really know that those two songs that were on the Garage Days EP were Misfits songs until later on. I didn't, all right, I, or I didn't make the connection that the Misfits were Danzig. That's probably more realistic of what what was going on there. So yeah, Green Hell and Last Caress. Again, those, the lyrics, I was like, fuck, man, this is fucked up. Who wrote this shit, you know? So those were obviously favorites, thanks to Metallica. Die, Die, My Darling. Yeah, that's a really good one, too. I, I just like the minor sounding stuff, you know. I'm not, wasn't much of a punk rocker growing up. I was more of a metal kid and, you know, all that kind of shit. So, TV casualty, hybrid moments, yes. Other killer ones. Little Angel Fuck. Angel Fuck's a good one. She. All right. Top five London Dungeon. She. I turned into Mon... Ah, fuck. There's too many good ones. Forget it. That's enough for you. All right. So Heavy Hamburg Halloween 1 in 2018. Surprise Misfit set. That brings us to 2019 with Heavy Hamburg Halloween 2. So let's move on to 2019 here. Heavy Hamburg Halloween 2. Okay, so the legendary Mark Talle was booked this year. We did not know that we were going to repeat this festival but it was such a big success the first time around, we wanted another go at it. So we ended up going to a venue called Canoost in Hamburg. And I called my good friend Will Palmer, who owns Iron Fist Magazine, Bad Omen Records, uh, formerly uh, co-owner of Rise Above Records with Lee Dorian from Cathedral. Um, he had discovered Ghost and put out their first record. And he is also the manager and bass player for one of my favorite bands of all time, the new wave of British heavy metal legends, Angel Witch. Now, Angel Witch was putting out a new record, and that's kind of a big deal because the new Angel Witch record doesn't happen every day. And so I wanted to get them to headline the fest, so they were more than happy to do that. We've ended up having the privilege of playing a lot of shows with Angel Witch over the years, especially in Europe, and we've become good friends with those guys. Then uh, 2019, we did the Hamburg Heavy Hamburg number two, which we properly played uh, with the almighty Angel Witch as the headliner and the also uh, great Never never a Let Down Haunt opening the show. I think pretty sure it was their first their first show in Europe ever. So that was pretty cool to give them that chance. 
and uh, have their first show be on the stage with us. So we played Sandwiched in the Middle. They had a great time. The audience absolutely loved them. They've been waiting for that band for a long time. The records have been circulating for a couple of years. So that was a really good thing. I was really proud to be able to bring just this three-band bill on Halloween. And it was just fucking amazing. The show sold out. And I couldn't be more proud of that. And uh, we weren't really going to do any kind of Halloween thing this time. We didn't really have a plan. But I think, I don't know, like the week before or something, I was kind of like, dudes, what are we going to do? We got to dress up or something. I mean, we're, we're... we're here promoting Halloween and trying to bring Halloween to Germany, but we don't have any fucking costumes. Like, what kind of shit is this? We got to do something. So, you know, we didn't want to, like, worry about wearing some crazy shit. So uh, I just, fuck, I don't know. I was like, well, let's just, you know, get our faces painted or something like that, you know, do some kind of death paint or, like, black metal paint. So I contacted a friend of ours, a, a photographer, and asked her, if she knew anybody that did makeup, you know, or they could do like kind of horror makeup or something like that. And sure enough, she did. So we'd never met this girl either. So we had her come to the show and meet us backstage before the show. And, you know, we just kind of, she just did our faces up. I I don't know, kind of, it in hindsight, I think we looked kind of stupid. I don't know if people really understood. Maybe they're like, oh, what is going on? Oh, Night Demon, now they go in black metal. Okay. You know, it was kind of one of those things because it looked like black metal makeup. You know, there wasn't a real costume besides our faces being painted. But uh, <laughs> I kind of ended up, she was supposed to paint my face kind of like a skeleton thing. But I think I ended up looking like a fucking St. Bernard dog or something like that. But whatever. Because you know what? We went out there and we fucking kicked everybody's ass in that venue. It was sold out. It was packed. Killer club. We destroyed that night. Angel Witch was great. Haunt was great. It was one of the best Halloween shows I've ever played. It was a great show. We had done a little bit of makeup for that one as far as um, we brought a, a nice young lady in to do our makeup and make us look as ghoulish as possible. Um, and uh, you'll see some pictures of how our faces were done and all that. It was pretty neat. It was a cool way to go out there and have a little fun for the show without going too overboard with a get-up. I honestly don't know how bands, like black metal bands and stuff, can go out there and put that makeup on every night and, you know, play in it because it got in my eyes, it burned, you know. Even if you spray set it and all that kind of stuff, you're still going to get the makeup in your face so i'm super glad that we don't do that on the regular basis um that was a that was a special evening a lot of fun showing off without a hitch and everybody had a great time so one thing to say about heavy hamburg halloween okay i've mentioned that how how important halloween is to us as a band however the halloween tradition and the whole act of the fanfare and the dressing up and the trick-or-treating and all this stuff is not celebrated in Germany. It's a total underground thing. It's like under underground. It's underground to the underground. It's it's a total foreign thing. And so I think, you know, our reason for keeping this festival going every year is, you know, with Night Demon, we we could do whatever we want as far as put we could put on a concert wherever we want in the world. We have the contacts. 
We have the knowledge, and most of all, we have the experience of doing this. So that's not a problem. But once you start doing stuff like that, you start to think about your legacy as a whole, and you really start to have, you, you need a strong reason why you do things. You don't do things anymore just to do them. You need a why. You need something that is so compelling to you deep down inside that no matter what challenges you're faced with, you know that you have to do something for a greater reason than yourself. And so our goal with Heavy Hamburg Halloween is to bring the Halloween culture to Germany. It's to spread around what we've all known and loved our entire lives to the underground culture, to the horror punks, to the goths, to the metalheads, to the straight punkers. You know, we've gone to goth clubs in Hamburg. We've gone to punk clubs in Hamburg. And this is an event that brings all these people together to celebrate this. And so many metalheads come to this thing and they don't understand the whole concept of, of dressing up. And so we're basically making it mandatory now that it's like no costume, no entry. And when people show up in costume, they start to realize how fun it is, how fun it is to dress up. And you know what? You could be standing next to your one of your good friends and you don't even know it. It's just so awesome to be able to play pretend for a night and just anything fucking goes. So that brings us to 2020 and what should have been Heavy Hamburg Halloween 3. The two Heavy Hamburg Halloweens that we had thrown were a success, and I wish we were able to do it again this year, but due to the pandemic and COVID-19 and restrictions of traveling to Europe and restrictions of touring, period, we were unable to do that. For pretty obvious reasons, there is no Heavy Hamburg Halloween in 2020, but we'll be back in 2021 On Saturday, October 30th, we will party into the actual Halloween day and we will bring you a lineup that you will still be talking about five years later. I promise you. So, in 2021, Heavy Hamburg Halloween 3 is booked. October 29th, we are doing a thing called Ghost Ship. And we are doing four bands at the MS Stubnitz, which is, which is an old ship that's docked in the Hamburg Harbor. That's going to be our warm-up show. And then on Saturday, October 30th, we return to the legendary Mark Talle, where we did the first heavy Hamburg Halloween. It's also the venue where Night Demon headlined Hell Over Hammerberg and had our legendary performance with none other than Mr. Uli John Roth of the Scorpions. So, It's October 30th, 2020 right now. This show goes on sale today, one year from the date. Get your tickets while you can. This is going to be a fucking event for the ages. And please, if any of you want to come in from outside the country and help show our German brothers and sisters what Halloween is all about, please come out there, help us represent, and let's spread the word for the best most evil, most sinister, and most fun holiday of the year. Happy Halloween, guys. So, just announced is Heavy Hamburg Halloween 3. 
October 30th, 2021. That's one year from today. Tickets are going on sale right now as you hear this episode. It's the Marktahal in Hamburg, Germany. The lineup so far? Okay, check this out. You got Night Demon. Ireland's Primordial doing a 30th anniversary show. Legendary horror punk band The Other. Fire, which is old school proto metal from Hamburg, Germany. And also, remember earlier when we talked about Jarvis's Misfits inspired? band Hybrid Moments. There's a Hybrid Moments reunion show. And there's more acts. It's still being finalized. So grab yourself a ticket and get your ass to Hamburg. And don't forget to bring a costume for Heavy Hamburg Halloween 3. So we're getting near the end of the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast Halloween special. I know we're past two hours now. We've been going and going. We've got so much to talk about when it comes to Halloween and horror. One last thing I would like to add is just for fun, because it's Halloween, I asked the three members of Night Demon what their five favorite horror movies are. And just before we cut to that, I'd love to give you a rundown of all the bonus content we have for this episode, but I can't go through it all here. I'll be ten minutes going through it all, but we've got the unearthed, never-before-seen pro-shot video of Night Demon performing that surprise misfit set at Heavy Hamburg Halloween in 2018, the streaming bootleg audio of the entire Misfits tribute set. Never before seen backstage candid photos from Heavy Hamburg Halloween. There's that video of Jarvis singing Skulls on stage with the Misfits. Tons of pictures of Night Demon with Danzig throughout the years. There's the Guns N' Roses 
tribute with Armand and Jarvis's video of them performing Mr. Brownstone. There's photo galleries and videos of most of these tribute shows that we mentioned. You can see Jarvis in his muscle suit and Armand as a pretty convincing Nigel Tufnell. The hell-bent for pleather Judas Priest tribute. Tons of videos, tons of photos. I mean, I'm not going to list it all, but uh, I recommend you check it out. There's a lot of really cool stuff in there. But here's the guys in Night Demon with their top five horror movies. This is Jarvis Leatherby from Night Demon coming in with my top five favorite horror films of all time. Starting at number five, The Unnameable Part Two. Okay, so The Unnameable Part One is pretty good and it is worth watching. It's a little slow, but The Unnameable Two is just a great film. And this one stars John Reese Davies, who was also in the awesome sci-fi show Sliders. He was in, I believe, the first Indiana Jones. Great actor. He was in Waxwork. He's he's awesome. Um, and this is this is a in an HP Lovecraft film. So definitely the beast in here is very cool, very mythical, and this whole thing takes place at Miskatonic University, which is a fictitious university created in the Lovecraft stories based on Brown University. It's just really cool. One of my favorite movies. I love to combo this with the first one, but if I had to pick between them, I would say Unnameable 2 comes in at my number five. Number four, Return of the Living Dead. This movie is fucking great. 1985. This I remember seeing this when I was a kid on television in the 80s around the time it came out. And just... Just the scene alone where the acid rain comes down and the chick's dancing naked in the graveyard and it starts to burn her skin. Uh, there's just so many great moments in this film. There's a lot of comedy, but it is genuinely scary. Um, and then you have the zombie, of course, the military zombie brains, which is <laughs> so hilarious. But this is one of the great zombie flicks ever made. Return of the Living Dead 2 and 3 are also very entertaining and they're they're for sure worth a watch. But the first one is just is classic. Great, great, great film. Good heavy metal punk rock 80s vibe here. Coming in at my number three pick is another Lovecraft film, Reanimator. This movie is also just out of this world amazing. Starring Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Cranston, a great combo. They also comboed in Stuart Gordon's Castle Freak, as well as uh, From Beyond, which is another great Lovecraft film. I can't get enough of the Lovecraft stuff. The all uh, most of the Lovecraft films that have been ad- adapted to movies have been really awesome and definitely worth the watch, just because the stories are just so damn good. But you know, the premise in here, obviously, there's a reanimation serum. You've got your mad doctors and mad scientists and it, there's a love story behind it it's just really good it's really creepy and it's campy as well too i don't it's I, i'm not sure why but i i love the campiness in some of these movies um it doesn't make them any less scary for me number two i'm coming in with an old classic salem's lot now this was originally um, i guess they called it a mini series it's based on a stephen king novel toby hooper directed it who did poltergeist and the texas chainsaw massacre uh this is a great film so many movies that came after this copied a lot of things from this film it moves a little slow but 
the payoff when that when you see that vampire in that kitchen, it, it's all worth the wait. It really builds the suspense really nicely. And you know the 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 cover here of this is actually, I think, inspired my number one movie, which we'll get to right about now. Fright Night. This is my favorite horror movie of all time. It's actually my second favorite movie of any genre of all time. But this story is a suburban vampire story that has to do with high school kids. Um, William Ragsdale, who plays Charlie Brewster, he did that show Herman's Head in the early 90s. That was kind of funny. Jerry Dandridge as the vampire, he's so perfect. I mean, he was great in Princess Bride and the voice of Jack Skelton in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Amanda Bierce, who was on Married with Children. She's um, Charlie's girlfriend, Amy, in this. And, of course, Evil Ed, the best sidekick any school kid could have. But the story is just so great. This movie looks good. It feels good. It's totally scary, and it completely captures that 80s vibe. I do want to say picking the top five favorite horror films is near impossible. I, I'm sure I could change my mind on any day on these except for probably the top two. But I'd like to give honorable mention to uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street Amazing film, still scary to this day. Great cast. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 comes close. Dream Warriors, great film for heavy metal. There's so many other things I want to mention. I haven't talked about Hammer Horror or classic universal horror, but maybe we can cover that if any uh, horror movie buffs listening to the Night Demon Heavy Metal podcast are interested. Just shoot us a mail and let us know. All right, see ya. Here are my top five. I'll start with number one, The Lost Boys. Obviously, super classic movie. Uh, great storyline. I love the 80s hair metal looking vampires and shit. Uh, I think it's really cool. Great representation of campy and comedy. Great cast. Um, the, there's nothing wrong with that movie from start to finish. It's brilliant. Uh, I just love all the scenes, the story. I, every time I pick it up from wherever it is on TV or if somebody's watching it, I can't not watch it. It's just that good. My second one would be um, Silver Bullet, the Stephen King novel slash movie. Um, I remember seeing that movie as a little kid and it's scaring the bejesus out of me at the end when he gets killed and the, the werewolf gets killed and he you know, slowly starts to morph back into the human. And then you think it's over, and then he jumps at the camera, one last, you know, death breath. Um, scared the crap out of me as a kid. But I just love the story of it. It's a classic werewolf story, but with a great twist. Um, anybody who hasn't seen that movie, you're missing out. It's a classic. I put it right up there with next to, like, Christine. It's another great Stephen King story and classic. Um just well done, but Silver Bullet. Gary Busey is fantastic in it. Um, a little Corey Haim as well. Um, two Corey Haim movies back-to-back -back that I just mentioned. Um, but uh, I loved his uh, three-wheeler Silver Bullet um, wheelchair dirt bike trike that uh, Gary Busey built, uh, built him in that movie. It's great. and uh, Yeah, classic movie. Number three, Halloween, the original can't go wrong with that um scared the crap out of me as a kid um you know obviously as you get older the movies have become more extreme and 
you know, some of these older movies might not be as scary for kids nowadays, but um, for its time, it was a scary-ass movie. Great camera work, um, way ahead of its time as far as angles and point of view and suspense and all these things. Um, The music, spot on. Um, Great theme. Odd time signature with the it's you can't beat it. John Carpenter's just knocked it out of the park. So yeah, Halloween goes without saying. Next one, kind of an off the wall one, but the the people under the stairs. Remember seeing that as a kid? I used to go to my dad's on the weekend, and. It was his duty to scare the living crap out of me as a kid. And People Under the Stairs was a funny movie, but it had like some creepy, scary elements. And just the idea of these crazy people that would be housing somebody in their walls that they cut their tongue out. And then... You know, these people that live in the basement and these crazy people that are holding them hostage and completely have their house on lockdown. It's just a crazy, creepy movie. And, you know, this young kid gets stuck in the house and meets the young girl and then falls in the wall. And uh, just a crazy, creepy, funny movie. Um, That one goes down as one of my favorites. And then lastly, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. scared me to death as a kid that was another one of my dad's treats that he decided to let me see as a kid I remember watching it and just being horrified and then him going okay it's time for bed and I could not sleep I was scared everything was scaring me I think I like passed out from fright and woke up in the morning just delighted that I wasn't murdered in my sleep but um yeah, so Lost Boys, Silver Bullet, Halloween, People Under the Stairs, check Texas Chainsaw Massacre, my top five. Top five horror movies. Hmm. I think one of my favorites of all time has to be Poltergeist. That movie is trippy, man. Really good effects, I thought, at least for the time. I've always been intrigued by the whole, like, you know, Native American burial ground, like holy ground, which, here you go again, ties into the whole hollow ground thing. So that movie, the whole idea of, like, they they built all these houses on this sacred land and it was just being haunted and, you know, never left them alone and all that stuff. That old man in Poltergeist 2, fuck, man, what a creepy dude. One of my favorites for sure. Pet Cemetery, again, going back to that same kind of theme. Uh, the 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 burial land, burial grounds, and all that kind of weird shit. As far as like the big the big horror movies of the eighties, dude, Nightmare on Elm Street. I always thought were like was like the coolest out of the like, you know, Halloween or um, Chainsaw Massacre or all that kind of stuff. As far as like the more mainstream movies, um, Hellraiser, yeah, fuck. Amazing characters, man. Amazing characters in that movie. The makeup, Pinhead, the fucking silo bites or whatever the hell they're called. Those weird little chattering fucking things, man. God damn it, that shit's weird and scary. 
but also cool because it has that really like kind of sexual undertone with the bondage and the you know all that kind of style and everything. Really, really cool shit. I'm a fan. Oh yeah, I mean shit. All right, I'm a big vampire guy. I've always been a fan of all everything, anything that has to do with vampires. So of course, like uh, I don't know. I think the Bram Stoker's Dracula that came out in the '90s is one of the best fucking vampire movies ever ever made. You know, they just did it right. The characters were good. The cast was killer. You can't fuck with that. Nosferatu, just on visuals alone, obviously, because there's not a lot. <laughs> there is no dialogue in the original movie, but. Yeah, dude, you can't fucking, you can't touch that with a 10-foot pole. I'm sorry. One of the best. Still a haunting image to this day. Fuck, that movie was from the 20s, I think? Pretty crazy, right? Uh, what about werewolf movies? Um, American Werewolf in London, one of the favorites. The Howling, good werewolf movie. Um... A really, really, really cool underrated show that I don't think a lot of people know about. It was a Netflix thing. It's called Hemlock Grove. It's a mix of like really cool werewolf shit, but like more like gypsy. And there's a lot to do with like gypsies and like the whole lore behind gypsies and werewolves and uh, old folk lore kind of stuff. Also mixed with like modern, like biotechnology kind of shit and sort of werewolf things. Oopir is what they call them in that show. American Horror Story. I really got into that show. I really love all that. Every pretty much there there's a couple of weird seasons that I thought they kind of got off the off the path. But the uh Asylum one was really, really good. Also the freak show. Oh, let's talk about the movie Freaks. Yes. Yes. How can I forget? Uh, Not your typical horror movie, but it's labeled a horror movie because of just the weird kind of scary shit. And at the end, of course, all the freaks end up attacking the humans and killing everybody, you know, because of the way they've been treated all this time. And just that they had the real, you know, these are real, you know, real people from the real freak shows, you know. It was a pretty trippy thing to see, you know, and cool for these people to get, like, some real kind of, like, recognition, I guess. I mean, you know, they all they all were working for the freak show and, you know, were, in a way, you know, getting... That was the way they can make a living, you know, but being exploited still at the same time. So, um, but it was cool that they made a movie about that. Okay, top five horror. Poltergeist, Pet Cemetery, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Nightmare on Elm Street, the number one, Rosemary's Baby, House of a Thousand Corpses. Not in any order. I think that's six, so whatever. So that's it for this episode. It was a long one, but uh, it was a fun one. So happy Halloween to all Night Demon fans all over the world. This is Nesbitt signing off.
Thanks for listening to the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. Head over to nightdemon.net, click on the subscriber tab, and sign up to access exclusive weekly bonus content. If you would like to donate to support the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast, you can do so through PayPal at paypal.me slash nightdemonmetal. Additionally, if you have not already done so, please subscribe, like, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbearable suspense keeps you on the edge of an abyss of terror. Take a cult film odyssey into cinemadness with Cinematic Void. Based in Los Angeles, Cinematic Void is a film series that specializes in horror and exploitation films. Currently, we are hosting Cinematic Void Up All Night in the Cinemanus Movie, a monthly virtual screening series, as well as the Cinematic Void Podcast, where we dive deeper into the world of cult cinema. You can find Cinematic Void on the World Wide Web at cinematicvoid.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like what we do, you can support Cinematic Void by joining our Patreon. Until next time, see you in the void. <laughs>